Hey yo, it is Nightly Readings with Fiona. I'm your host, and today we are reading Revolution Plus Love by Lu Jianmei, Literary History, Women's Bodies, and Thematic Repetition in 20th Century Chinese Fiction. And today we will be reading By Way, The Historical Mode of Writing. So, with that being said, let's get into it. Neither Chinese nor Western scholars have paid much attention to Bai Wei, even though her plays and fictions are closely connected to her time's belief in progression and revolution. A female leftist who joined the Wuhan revolutionary regime in 1927 and the Chinese League of Leftist Writers in 1930, she was not recognized by the literary field until Lu Xian, published her first her her play Fight Out the Ghost Tower in Torrent in 1928. The sharp female voice is the primary characteristic of Bai Wei's writing, which never yields women's concerns to social critiques. Unlike female revolutionaries depicted by Mao Dun and Jiang Guangxi, who were who are merely tropes of Chinese modernity, allegories of revolution, by way is a t- typical agent of womanhood in the revolutionary context. What is intriguing is that her role as a real agent of female revolutionaries was perpetually disrupted and disqualified by her own body, infected as it was with vernal disease. Byway's personal romance and disillusionment with both revolution and love were documented in her confessional autobiographical novel, Tragic Life, 1936, which for Amy Dooling can be read as a conscious reclamation of the private as a simultaneously social and political subject. In this 900-page novel, Bai Wei told the complete story of her 10-year romance with the poet Yang Sao. Their first encounter, her contraction of gonorrhea from him, their quarrels and separation, her painful battle with vernal disease as well as poverty, and her hesitation to have her ovaries removed at the end. As Dueling points out, this female leftist chose to privileged the intimate details of a failed romance over her public career as an advocate of political and social reform and quote for two reasons first because by way needed a large amount of money for medical treatment for gonorrhea second because she was formulating her physical as well as emotional and psychological psychological experience not as the private history of a unique individual but as the product of an epidemic or endemic patriarchal plaguing modern Chinese society as a whole. Indeed, although practical economic conditions forced by a way to sell her own secret to the public, the poignant expose of the true life of a new woman who longed for modern romance and revolution but was unqualified for both greatly challenged the social order that had constructed her as such. If for drooling tragic life shows Byway's attempt to demystify the May 4th romantic ideology in terms of the problematic female identity, then for David Derway Wang, 
It serves as a byway testimony to her betrayed revolution as romance and vice versa. And how through such a discourse of despair it revealed the schizophrenic nature of women calling reality. However, what impresses me most about this novel is not only Byway's failed affair with both revolution and love, but also the striking contrast between speeding modernity and a woman's diseased and decayed body, which suffers the consequences of the whole package of revolutionary romance, including freedom of love and sex. Tragic Life could be titled Diary of a Madwoman, unlike Lu Qian's Diary of a Madman, which depicts a paranoid who insists that everyone around him is a cannibal and who is suffocated by the repressive reality of traditional China. In the in tragic life, the female protagonist is incarcerated by her deceased body, as well as the patriarchal social system. From the beginning of the novel, she's addressed by her friends as strange stuff, Guai Wu. After she experiences her lover's betrayal, the ordeal of vernal disease and poverty, she can do nothing but madly laugh at reality. Quote, Every day, she has to search for something to eat regardless of her disease. Every day, she is tortured by the illness, the sick life. She is laughing all the time and everywhere. Laugh, laugh, laugh. She cannot keep from laughing. Laugh, laugh. End quote. Bitter, mad, sad, violent, cold, silent. All kinds of laughter stringing the series of events together in the final section of Tragic Life constitute by way special language based on the hysterical mode of writing only one specific program of sexualization directed towards women the hysterialization of women's bodies is pointed by the by Foucault in the history of sexuality however as the feminist critic Elizabeth Gross argues quote in treating hysteria as an effect of power saturation of women's bodies he ignores the possibility of women's strategic occupation of hysteria as a form of resistance to the demands and requirements of heterosexual monogamy and the social and sexual role culturally assigned to women end quote by way takes hysteria especially feminine neurosis as a discursive strategy to displace and erase the social inscription on her body and rebelling against conventional femininity she hystericized and lamenting her decayed body which is endangered and rejected by the progressive modernity she hystericizes her hysteria over her deceased body is a form of nostalgia, a monument to her revolutionary past, a sign of despair for her future. Quote, the wheel of time was rolling as quick as flying, but in Wei's memory, the shadow of the wheel rolled even faster. She was as mad as the protagonist in the end of a tragedy, walking unsteadily and finally lying on the bed like a corpse, end quote. Like her male contemporaries, Wei's, Wei aspires to Western modernity and revolution, but she has contemporaries. She has been betrayed by her decayed body, which she cannot 
and will not abandon. Despite her longing for revolution, she realizes that, quote, no matter how much she feels happy or sad for the revolutionary group, the progressing revolutionary group won't care about the patient who is lying near death. The revolutionary group is like a flock of swallows flying far away, abandoning the diseased woman behind, not caring if she falls on the sand or in a marshy swamp, end quote. Being abandoned by both her lover and the revolutionary, she keenly feels the pain in her body and only through the truth of her body, through hysteria, can she gain back her subjectivity, her self-defined status as a new woman. Other fictional new women, such as Yang Kui Li in Mao Dun's Pursuit and Wang Mianying in Jiang Wangqi's The Moon Forces Its Way Through the Claws, also suffer from vernal disease, but their bodies are allegorized by those male writers' ideology. Repeatedly recording her physical pain, repeatedly mourning the difficult living conditions she has to suffer, by way never hides her panoramic criticism over her of her lover, the revolutionary group, and everything the patriarchal society attempts to inscribe on her, rather than seeing her disease as a physical reminder of her failure as a woman and. A revolutionary. I see it as a challenge to rev to revolution and modern love and sex, which her contemporaries largely largely romanticize. It poses serious questions to the speeding modernity. What becomes of a woman who is rejected by the rolling wheel of time? What do revolution and romance mean to a woman who is disqualified for both being because of her true body? At the end of the novel, Wei hystericizes again because she sees how her handicapped body has been relentlessly cast out by the racing current time as well as the proletarian masses. By Wei's suspicious attitude towards both revolution and love can be Trace back to her early long novel, A Bomb and an Expeditionary Bird, published by in Lucian's journal Torrent in 1928. The second part of the novel was lost because of government censorship of the journal. Although it is not autobiographical like Tragic Life, this story still contains many of Byway's personal experiences. A bomb and an expeditionary bird is about two sisters. Yu Wei wait, Yu Yue and Yu Bin whose father is a revolutionary but who follows fetal morality in defining women. Yu Wei, the elder sister, enters into a terrible marriage arranged by her father and then dramatically escapes from this living hell. The events resemble Bai Wei's painful experience of her first marriage. Bin, the luckier one who goes to Wuhan and becomes a social butterfly playing sex games with one man after another. Yu Wei, after she escapes the, from the marriage, joins the Wuhan government, chooses a love affair with revolution rather than with men, and as a result is trapped in a serious political struggle between the CCP and the GMD. 
by Wei's own experience joining the Wuhan regime in March 1927 and working as a Japanese translator enables her to depict the 1927 revolution from a woman's writer's viewpoint. Instead of directly narrating the GMD's massacre of the CCP members, Bai Wei makes Yue's body symbolic of both parties, neither of which provides an answer to the woman question. My reading explores the interaction among linguistic, ideological, and psychological dimensions in the novel's relation to society and history. This does not, of course, exhaust the interpretation of the work, but it does allow the investigation of a number of issues relevant to the problem of politics and gender. I focus my interplay among these dimensions to show how Bai Wei brings out both possibilities and limits in, of the feminist novel particularly when it's set in the revolutionary era. Influenced by the May 4th tradition, by ways, a bomb and an expedient, expedient, expeditionary bird seeks to discover what women can do after they leave patriarchal families and what revolution can provide to resolve women's problems. The two sisters symbolize two different situations of new women after they walk out of the big family. Although both desire freedom and revolution, the younger sister Bin gradually degenerates to an attractive and dangerous woman who enjoys playing with men and depending on them at the same time. Bin indulges in desire, passion, leisure, fantasy, frivolity, and her body is closely tied up with power and money, sensuality, bourgeoisie, ideology, and colonized mentality, and also the eroticized metropolis of Hongku. Bin has already gained freedom in her sexual life, but even though she has freed herself from the patriarchy, her new sexuality is stipulated in the, by the bourgeoisie ideology. In contrast, the elder sister Yue, who finally escapes the miserable marriage arranged by her feudal family after summoning numerous difficulties, chooses to devote herself to revolution, but ends up disillusioned. And by ways writing a revolution plus love formula, it is significant that her protagonist Yue refers to revolution, prefers revolution to love. The subject position of women had been stabilized within the discourse of love at that time. Only through revolution did they have opportunities to find a new space. Yue's choice is a conscious rebellion against the role pre-assigned by her male-centered society. Compared to Bin, the feminine and the negative side presupposed by bourgeoisie ideology, Yue presents the more masculine and positive side, which means suffering, self-awareness, rationality, patriotism, and revolutionary purpose. On the ideological level of a bomb and an expeditionary bird, these two major and seemingly opposed protagonists stand for binaries that permeate the novel the decadent, colonized, sensual bourgeoisie ideology, and the progressive, patriotic, asexual, revolutionary ideology, which is not exactly Marxist, though the author portrays the Communist Party sympathetically. On the surface of the text, Bai Wei affirms the latter ideology, but repu repudes the former.
However, the in fact, she deeply subjects that women can find the truth of the feminine within both. At the end of the novel, Bin, Bin and Yue both collapse in despair, one exhausted by the decadent and empty life, and the other deeply harmed by political conflicts between the GMD and CCP. Unlike Mao Dun's and Jiang Wangqi's new women, who can calmly utilize their bodies for revolutionary aims without feeling pain, Yue feels uncertain and confused about politics, materialization of women's bodies, whereas Bin lacks sincere belief in revolution or men. Jeez. The novel implies that blind affirmation and repudiation allows the psychological and ideological dimensions of revolution plus love to work together to both reveal the psychologies of individuals, especially women as Yue and Bin, and give a general perspective on gender and politics, even if it implies the interweaving of revolutionary ideology and feminist consciousness and the gap between Yue and Bin's socially formulated identities and their inconsistent identification with those identities. Before Bin turns to a dangerous woman who indulges in love games and laviscuous lifestyle, she, like many other progressive youths, wants to participate in revolution. But she soon finds out that she can only be a decoration. Her suspicious inner voice reveals the problem of the relationship between revolution and women. Quote, Bin is very upset. She feels her little light of intelligence will be extinguished by the storm of the gloomy dark night. Surprised, she begins to suspect. She wonders if revolution is as regressive as she thinks. Is the field of women's work in the revolution as narrow and inferior as it seems? Is women's social position in revolution unfree as it appears? Only a puppet of men? Hmm revolution revolution that which tramples the rights of women under horses hooves are women's rights so humble am i been so humble oh i see i been am simply an extremely humble animal the stupid worm who wants to take big strides but can only wriggle Ben becomes more upset as she leans on the balustrade and twists the remains of the propaganda sheet into a roll and imagines the way she will mingle with men during the parade tomorrow. The more she thinks, the more she sighs. This kind of revolution, this kind of revolution Using my struggle to make men look good and sacrificing myself in the middle of the street, in this way, my strength and heart, which are like bombs, will be extinguished. End quote. Although she is a vain girl, Bin's suspicion derives in a part of her feminist consciousness. It is from the inferior social position of women from their pure decorative function designed by the revolution that Bin starts to realize that huge gap between feminism and revolution and heart. 
from being extinguished repressed by men's rationality and identity she chooses to indulge in a sensual and emotional life that can preserve and allow expression of her ego in the formula of revolution plus love ben inevitably flirts with both discourses not earnestly identifying with either she continues the superficial and sensual performance by which she can elusively and temporarily hold power and will meaning and its effect on women and herself ua feels perplexed about the cruel discrepancy between the crusade that she desires and imagines and the real revolution full of absurdity observing the protest parade she finds out that the troop includes a lot of children stupid women and rascals and she cannot help but wonder quote is this the spirit of the masses are these the so-called activities of revolution See the way they walk without any strength in their feet and the way they pant and lower their heads and dumb eyelids? How can they possess the heat and strength of the revolution? How do they understand the meaning of revolution? Revolution, revolution, it is merely the word shouted by a mountainly crowd. After seeing this, she feels sad and disgusted, but she does not know the principles of revolutionary ideology, nor does she know how to build the revolution. Revolution. What is China's national revolution? I don't know. End quote. Modern girl Yue's notion differs from the leftist class awareness and collective strength and distances her from the people. Unlike Bin, who abandons her original goal easily, Yue insists on pursuing her own identity within the revolutionary discourse even if she feels disappointed by reality in which the gmd women's movement only chimes in with bureaucratic politics and in an unchangingly closed confined and limited voice she never gives up pursuit of her ideal revolution unfortunately involving herself in the conflict between the gmd and the ccp she agrees to use her own body as an instrument for political purposes when her communist friend ma tang persuades her to seduce minister g from the gmd in order to steal some information she is willing at this moment ua's super ego with an ideal revolutionary aim is prohibitive regulating sexuality in the service of politics her body is severed from her intellect mind and psyche however by ways representation of new women here varies consciously from mao dun's and jiang guangqi's yue thinks and feels when her body is suffering from violent sex and bloody political structure struggle instead of actively seducing the minister yue ends up being raped by him in, on a dark rainy night after she refuses to commit herself to this revolutionary task here it what concerns by way is the female revolutionary's suffering body not political ideology plunging into men's political struggle ua is doomed to failure she loses not just her body self and love but everything for the revolution
At the end of the novel, jailed in a dark, damp prison, Yu Wei seems abandoned and forgotten by both political sides. Her sincere pursuit and her failure raise questions about significance of revolution to modern and progressive women. Since Yu Wei's subject position has always been presupposed and pre-designated by the masculinist framework of national and revolutionary discourse, she can never find the place she really wants within it. By ways of reiteration of the term new woman is nothing but a displacement and an appropriation. On the linguistic level, since her narrative consists of hysterical expression that corresponds with women neurotic symptoms, it takes on an uncanny and unfamiliar sense. In contrast to the portrayal of women by male writers or male or male writers speaking in the female voice. For instance, Baiwei's narrative language is extremely emotional, lacking basic knowledge and reasonable connections between events, freely jumping from one protagonist to the other, from interior mon monologues to exterior rea reality, from the heights of excitement to the depths of depression. A reader may find have a difficult time keeping up with Baiwei's style show, oh, keeping up, by way style shows that the libido and the unconscious on one side of the ego consciousness and reality on the other are likely linked this connection and confusion led to something alien the neurotic characters of both bin and yue echoing the mad woman's laugh and cry from western gothic novels these two protagonists outrageous and lunatic actions express their despair about men and revolution in a unique female voice that threatens the normality of male-centered society by ways narrative language may seem coarse and immature but such classification ignores the fact that her language results from her consciously feminist purpose claiming that the feminine is precisely what is excluded by sexual binary oppositions Ingrid argues that it appears to only only in catch her this what the catch catch resist by ways assumption usurpation of the proper name new woman can return to haunt the male ideological level of language from which feminine sexuality is excluded through the hysteria of mimesis the playfulness of reception and uncanniness of catcherits i have no idea how to say this word but it's like catcher Ketrisis, national and revolutionary discourse becomes dubious and problematic, and feminist writing finds new operating possibilities. In the text, A Bomb and Exped Expeditionary Bird, the author brandishes some significant terms such as, quote, the movement of peasants and workers, end quote. Proletarian liberation women's movement nationalism and revolution but she usually underscores the distance from the protagonist moreover sometimes these words used in the characters hysterical expressions do not make philosophical philosophical and linguistic sense the general problems of using these original masculine ideological terms thus produce linguistic conceptual and formal difficulties 
The new adoption of the sign and destruction of older restricted codes offer promising space to rethink revolution and women's problems. The hysterical expression seems to create contradictions and dilemmas. Male leftist writings of the revolution plus love formula either capture the language of love and revolutionary discourse as conditions of articulation for each other or subjugate more feminine signification of love or eros to the more masculine revolutionary discourse. Although by ways rewriting shows more frantic interest in intimidating imitating the same fashion her attitude of doubt interrogates the whole mutual identification of love and revolutionary discourse by questioning both love and revolution's power over women she challenges the formula itself reducing it to many empty alterations of performances as a result via the hysterical mode by way avoids re-emphasizing the oppressed instead of questioning their liberation and emancipation and thus making the subversion of the ideology possible okay i just read that whole entire section and i did not get to do much commentary and i won't be able to because i'm really over time and i have to stop recording at 30 minutes so that whole entire section really is making me think a lot because that relation that perseverance that we all idealize idealize and romanticize is not what it seems and yeah i still have a lot to unpack from that chapter but i'll talk about it next episode and with that thank you for listening uh, i think this was a really really awesome episode and yeah let's just end it here. Have a really great day!